my spirit name is Zhang Wei Benise Kui, which means sounding thunderbird woman. And so part of my healing was really going into what, you know, what does that mean? And so my spirit name is part of my soul's calling. So it's what I meant to do here on this earth. And you know, being sounding Thunderbird woman, that means to me, like I'm a Thunderbird person. So I'm a messenger, right? And I was really going, where in my life am I doing this work? Crystal Z. Hardy, Zhangwei Binisekwe, is a two-spirit Anishinaabekwe from the Bear Clan living in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Zhangwei Binisekwe shares their stories guided by spirit and includes their personal experiences healing through intergenerational traumas. They hope to help create safer spaces for Indigenous people through positive media representation, education, and social justice. Welcome to The Safe Haven. I'm your host, Amanda Lytle. The Safe Haven offers a collection of conversations about life's challenges and the pivots we make in order to keep moving forward. Zhangwei Binise Kui means sounding Thunderbird woman and spends their life making thunder in topics related to decolonizing healthcare practices through cultural humility, empowering of Indigenous people, and missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada. In this incredible conversation, Crystal opens up about the trajectory change in their life after their brother's murder. This new path has included soul-searching, ceremonial work, and deep self-discovery including inner child work, and asking themselves what they really want to do with their time here in this life. We discuss healthy relationships, self-awareness, and success versus fulfillment. Crystal's brother was murdered in 2017, and it was two years before the verdict was made. So this is where we jump into the conversation today. What were the two years between that like for you? I mean, two years of waiting basically. Yeah, it was. And it was um, actually a lot of traveling between Ontario and British Columbia to go to the trials. Right. So there was like a pre-trial hearing and then there was the first part of the trial. And what was happening is a lot of things, as you can imagine, get delayed and get pushed to the next date. And so for me, I mean, traveling physically across the country um, to go to these courtroom sessions and the sessions, I'm sorry, the courtroom was really small. Like it was like the size of like a bedroom almost like it felt very tiny. And I was from here to like, I don't know, I could touch, touch the guy that was accused of murdering my brother. Like he was like right there. And you know, he, his like partner was right beside me. Right. Like, and so we were in this really small space and it was just very, very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So you get the news that it's not guilty. And I, I can imagine just from that desire to be home that you were experiencing a lot of different emotions. How did you look after yourself in this time? Well, I don't know if at the first, I think I went, well, obviously went into like a, like a fight or flight mode. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, I just knew that I had to get home because that's where I felt grounded the most, where I knew that I had all my sacred items, that I had connection to the land, connection to family and friends that, you know, I just felt like where I was with my, my friend, like, even though she was very supportive, I didn't have my own vehicle. I had, I felt just very out of control and, and I didn't have any sort of 
way to control that. And my only way was I knew I had to get home and feel safe in my own space. So when I did get home, then I reached out to friends and family and let them know that I wasn't doing well, that I was upset about it and that this happened. And then what I do a lot for self-care is journaling, which is a really big one for me. I never thought I would say that I, I love to journal, but it's a really good way for me to get all of the stuff out of my brain because there's a lot of thoughts in there and a lot of memories and a lot of feelings that can be very overwhelming sometimes. And so just the fact of writing them out or making a voice memo about them, or sometimes I even just do a video like chat to myself that I won't show anyone, Mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of me kind of getting a thought out. And then I go back after and I'll watch it, or sometimes I don't, or I'll read back what I've written and go, okay, well, wow, I was really hurting at that time. Or wow, like, you know, that was like a really important lesson that I learned there, like giving myself permission to, to see where the opportunity for growth was in that situation and not go, you know, where I, you know, previously would beat myself up about it and say, like, I can't believe you did this, or I can't believe you did that, or, you know, you really screwed up there or whatever, right? And that's that harsh inner critic that comes up. So when those words come up and that harsh inner critic comes up, I sometimes have to kind of check it and go, is that true right now? Or like, can I say, you know what? <laughs> I did a lot today and I'm, it's okay that I'm upset. It makes a lot of sense that I'm upset, like, because there's all of these things happening and I just need a minute or I don't have to finish that today or, you know, it's okay to ask for help. And growing up, that wasn't something, it was quite the opposite actually that, you know, that it wasn't safe to speak about what was happening with you. It wasn't safe to ask for help because then there was always the fear, of course, that you would get taken away or whatever. And that's sort of what happened to us, right? Anyway, it's very complicated, but uh, it's again, allowing those feelings to come up when they do. And then instead of trying to push them away is going, okay, well, writing them out. And then when I start journaling and I find it's very overwhelming and I start to cry, you never used to enjoy crying. I mean, I don't think anyone really does, but it's a release, right? It's Mm -hmm. like the toxins from your body that have to come out. It's the emotion you've been storing in there for years and the grief that finally needs to come out, right? And letting it, but being aware that I'm always aware it's going to overtake me because it feels like so much water, so much emotion, like that I'm going to drown in it. Right. Um, so I do art therapy and I, the simplest thing that I do is um, I have a sketchbook and I have crayons mm-hmm. <laughs> and crayons are one of my favorite things to use because they're kind of, they remind me a bit of like oil pastels, but they're like way less expensive mm-hmm. and you can, you can really scrape with them. You can break them. Like they're one of those things that you can do a lot with, even though people think they're quite childish. Like, but I think that's a part where we need to reclaim that inner child in us. Right. And, and give ourselves permission to kind of just do things without purpose. Mm-hmm. So what I'll do is grab a crayon or a bunch of crayons, whatever colors I I do. And I do artist ceremony. So I just go, whatever spirit, like whatever needs to come through me. Or I just kind of just like the feeling of that release, like, you know, like really scribbling really hard to get the colors out and get that anger out. Or like, I'll cry on the page and like, you know, depending on the colors or like, something will come up that's like, you know, a picture of a person's face and I'll go, oh, whose face is that? And I'll kind of look at that or 
a part of my body will come up and having like sexual trauma has been like, you know, a big part that I've been working through healing. So oftentimes there'll be, you know, pictures of a vagina and things like that and mm-hmm. go like, okay, so that's an opportunity for me to see that, you know, I'm sacred and, you know, I'm not the things that have happened to me and it's not my fault and I don't need to be ashamed of it. But there's also those times where that inner critic comes up and like the traumas come up and it's like, well, it was your fault or no one's going to believe you, all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. knowing that that's all there and it's not to judge it, but when it does come up to go, what do I need right now? My body must need something because this harsh inner critic is coming up, right? Like, and I find again that comes up for me when I haven't been taking care of myself well. Like, if I'm not sleeping, if I'm not exercising, and exercising for me is as simple as going for a walk every day. You know, I try to get two walks in, and it's not even like I go fast, it's just like meditative walking, even just getting outside, looking at the birds again, like looking at like things through the eyes of a child, like where there's no real purpose. Like, I don't need to go anywhere. I'm not walking an animal, I'm not going to the store for anything. I'm just walking to walk, to Mm -hmm. connect with the earth, to feel the breeze, to get out of my house for a minute, to remind myself that. I'm part of the world. Like I'm part of the earth. I'm an animal, just like the squirrel running by, like who doesn't care about COVID? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. doesn't care about money. Who's just like worried about eating and finding a place to sleep and being warm tonight and going, there's a lot of people who are feeling that same way too. Right. And I don't know, it's just like that sense of humanity and, and knowing that we can do so much to help each other, but we have to help ourselves. And, and that's harder to do when we're givers. And especially if we've had traumas to feel that we're not worthy to receive rest or worthy to receive love from anyone or support that we need to be the ones that always give, because that's the only way we know how. And in our relationships, sometimes that's hard because that's the only way that our friends or family know us as. And so when you try to shift that, it can be difficult. Mm -hmm. So what I know from pre-recording and from knowing a bit about you is that the last couple years of your life have had significant changes, like mega. And this is, and so I'm just going to let you run with that, however, because I feel like this is an area where we could go into so many different things. Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So, so certainly I feel like, you know, with my brother's death and, uh, going through the court process and things like that um, was a big catalyst in changing where I've kind of gone with my life. Um, When um, I found out that the man accused of murdering my brother was found not guilty, I had to take serious stock of my life. I was feeling really overwhelmed. I went on a sick leave from work and um, I did a lot of ceremonial work as I was in this sort of grief tsunami. It just felt like everything I was holding on to is kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back sort of idea where it was just like, I just couldn't hold it together anymore because it was just like the one last piece that I thought where maybe justice could happen or I don't know. I just felt like even though he was my younger brother, like I, I raised him as a child. And so he was a lot like a son to me. So I think right now is a big piece is my healing is is still grieving from that. So what I was really looking at in my life was, you know, what is success? What is fulfillment? And am I really happy in what I'm doing? And 
am I doing enough, you know, to help other people like maybe myself or my brother or anything? Because I feel like I didn't want this world and my life here to be for naught and to have gone through so much for nothing, you know, like, and I just feel like if I can give someone a bit of, I don't know, a bit of a push to know that, like, even though difficult things happen, we can overcome them, then I think that's a really good thing. Cause it's, it was hard for me to imagine where I could even get to in my own life. So, so before this happened, I was a nurse practitioner. Well, I still am. And I had my own practice and things. And then I did a bit of teaching at a university and really educating was a big part to me, but I felt like I just wasn't doing enough. I wasn't doing enough for indigenous people. I kept seeing the same patients coming in. I kept hearing the same commentary about indigenous people. And I was like, what, what, what can I do? Like, what in this world can I do? And, and so again, a lot of soul searching, a lot of healing, a lot of ceremonial work um, through the, throughout the pandemic, like I've uncovered a lot of repressed memories, a lot of, you know, really horrific traumas from my childhood that, I mean, of course I've blocked out on purpose, but have come up to be healed and released. And that is a really hard thing to do. So being able to give myself that time for healing and then to understand what I actually wanted to do with my life. And so my spirit name is Zhongwei Benise Kwe, which means sounding Thunderbird woman. And so part of my healing was really going into what, you know, what does that mean? And so my spirit name is part of my soul's calling. So it's what I meant to do here on this earth. And, you know, being sounding Thunderbird woman, that means to me, like I'm a Thunderbird person. So I'm a messenger, right? And I was really going, where in my life am I doing this work? as sounding Thunderbird woman. And part of that was in my podcast under the same stars and in my weekly radio show, which is called Z's place. And so basically I was like, this is kind of the direction where I get a lot of joy and I can help heal myself and help other people heal through my own healing journey. So I started writing and and expressing those things because a big part of my self-care is journaling each day and writing out my feelings and writing out my thoughts. And and then a safer way I sometimes feel for me to do that is almost in a storytelling way to take myself a bit out of it or to give it a different perspective. Because I think with complex PTSD, a lot of times I disassociate. And so that kind of feels safer for me at times because growing up there was so much trauma that I had that disassociating was the safest thing for my brain and body to do at the time. So writing has been a big thing for me. And, and so as I've been writing and creating, I've been able to help people in a different way where through academia has been one thing and through my health practice has been another thing, but it feels like I can help bridge people in a different way in these other mediums, right? And help people understand that we all do struggle and we all go through things and we can help each other to get through those, but we have to do it together. And we can only do that by having conversations. And so for me, it was a big step back to go, is this aligned with what I want or is this aligned with what society wants from me? And so I think we talked a bit about this earlier, but head versus heart and going, you know, what is really for the greater good and what is for my greatest good? And I've really been called to use storytelling to help with social change and doing that through journalism and doing that through positive 
representation of indigenous people in the media and educating people, but, but really helping people come together and having these conversations to show that like, you know, we all have stuff that we're going through and we need to give ourselves permission to go through it and also give each other permission to go through it and hold space for each other, which is something I think a lot of us are really uncomfortable doing because we don't have a lot of practice in it or because of our own shadows or our own things that we maybe don't want to think about or talk about, we kind of shut down those conversations. So I think it's so important to have spaces like this that we can have these conversations. So thank you so much. Mm, Thank you. I know that you and I could talk for weeks on end about this kind of (laughs) thing, even pre-recording for those listening. Like we chatted for 45, 50 minutes before we hit record. Yes. (laughs) And I know that we could chat forever. Pre-recording, you and I had talked a lot about friendships and the importance of, of healthy friendships and relationships, just relationships overall. Can you speak into the importance of healthy relationships for us? Definitely. So this has been and continues to be something that I mean, I work through and I think we all do, especially having, you know, we all have traumas, we all have things from our childhoods that actually influence a lot of our relationships now. And it's something that I didn't realize how apparent that is until I started to see the patterns that I had in a lot of relationships that I've had with friends and family members, and uh, even work and, and colleagues and things like this. And the hard truth of it was I was seeing I had a lot of codependent behaviors and that the seeking of validation from someone else can sometimes be overwhelming. And, and that a lot of that is a trauma response, but being aware of it first off was really good, but also very hard because then I had to do something about it. Right. When I could see that I had a boundary and then it was crossed or where I felt like as I was shifting and growing or my friends were shifting and growing, you know, we weren't quite as aligned as we once were. So trying to see what that is, where you're kind of, I'm not going to say you have a, a foot in the, in the past and the foot in the future, but it's sort of like, you don't really want to let go of those friendships and things because you have such a, such fond memories of that and in where you were at that time. But at the same time, you see that maybe at this point in your lives, you're not aligned. And I found that with a lot of relationships in my life. And that has been one of the most difficult things to go through because you do have to be okay with letting people go Mm -hmm. and knowing that you may come back together again in some form and you may not. And it's letting go of that attachment, which has been really hard. And it's not to say you don't care about people. It's not to say that you don't want to have relationships and friendships. It's just to say you want healthy ones. And for me, it was going in deep and going, what does a healthy relationship even look like to me? Because I've had so many really unhealthy relationships and it's going, what will I stand for? And what will I not? Right? Like what is a firm boundary for me? Or what is ice? What is slush? Like what, what am I okay with to slush through and go, yeah, I understand it's give and take in all relationships, but where is it to the point where how many chances do you give someone, right? Where you have to go, wow, like I'm putting in a lot more effort here than someone else is. 
And I, I thought about this a lot when I worked uh, in my own patient care setting, where I had a lot of patients that I cared so much for. And, and I mean, in a professional way, but I was ending up doing sort of more of the work than they were doing. And I was like, well, that's not helpful. That's paternalistic. That's taking their power away. And so I look at that in, a, in my own relationships and going, are there places here where I'm giving my power away too much because I'm looking for that validation from someone where it's triggering my codependent behaviors and then going, oh, well, what needs to be healed right now? And it's not even that person even, right? It's our own stuff, mm -hmm. right? But oftentimes we project it on somebody or they project it on us. So that's the, the part where you got to navigate. Is this a trigger that we can work through that we can talk about? Or mm -hmm. is this a point where, you know what, maybe it's time we take a break or we, you know, and I think with friendships, that's harder to do than it is oh, with gosh, yeah. relationship. Like, I don't know what your experience has been with that. And interestingly enough, I had a conversation just yesterday with a girlfriend and we were talking about how the older we get, the more emphasis we put on the important and really valuable friendships. Because we understand from life experiences that just because you've known so-and-so for 15 years doesn't mean that the relationship holds value. Like just because you've been friends with someone for 30 years doesn't mean they're a fabulous friend. Sure, they're a great person, but someone that you've met maybe 10 weeks ago understands you and that their values align so much with yours that you can just create this really healthy relationship and friendship from the get-go. And I think that, well, actually it started from a conversation about a post that I had done just on my Instagram page the other day. And it's actually an Al Capone quote, I'd rather have four quarters than 100 pennies. And just elaborating on that with friendship about how it's like, so would you rather have four super valuable front row, always cheering you on style friendships or a hundred people that you kind of maybe know, sort of might talk about the weather with? Definitely. And the older I get, the more I understand that to my core. Friendships slowly morph. They slowly fade. There's going to be distance between you and someone that you've grown up with and that that's okay. The more that we expend energy on trying to maintain these relationships and friendships that we really aren't having mutually beneficial conversations or offering each other support or deep diving into the goods and the bads of what we're experiencing in life and, and having that relationship is exactly what it is. You know, how much energy should you put into that? And in my opinion, it's... <laughs> Not much, if any. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. And I think it is so true. And and it's not about like going like tit for tat, right? It's no. not going, oh, I did this or that, but it's it's like the general feeling that you have. And mm -hmm. you sort of mentioned earlier in pre-recording just about how you feel it sort of in your stomach and your, you know, your in your torso when things are aligned. And so for me, I do get those sort of gut feelings and things. And when I'm going, what is that? Like, there's just something that's not right here. And instead of pushing that away, which oftentimes as survivors of trauma, we're sort of taught to do that. We have to go, something's come up here. What is it about? Is it something that I need to address? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just like, oh, isn't that interesting? Or look at that person's, the harder part, um, we also talked about this was the silent observer piece and, and doing that in our own lives is very difficult sometimes, right? And especially when it's our own thoughts that are sort of like mm -hmm. spinning out of control. But it's interesting to see and try to not be reactive to other people and kind of stand back and look at it. 
I mean, I guess maybe that's what the dissociating is about, but is looking at it from afar and going, wow, isn't this interesting? And almost looking at people as actors in a play and going, Mm -hmm. well, right now that person's very triggered. Wow. Right. That's not about me. That's about something else. And, and if I'm triggered by that, that's not about them actually. Right. Mm -hmm. It's about me probably too, that I've got something in there. So so giving ourselves permission and again, the common humanity to know that everyone is going through something, right? And if we see people's behavior and their behaviors toward us as a reflection of their own sort of ideas about themselves and their feelings about themselves, rather than about us, it gives us permission to look at ourselves again, right? Instead of going, that person is a terrible person. they said this to me. They made me feel this way. I can go how come I'm feeling so upset about this, right? Mm -hmm. And go, sure, so-and-so said those words to me, but why does it hurt so bad? And I'll go, well, deep down, I feel rejected. I feel disrespected. I feel that I'm not being heard. And those are wounds for me. So what can I do to fix that? Well, this person, maybe I can't talk to them, but I can write them a letter that I won't send. Or I can just get validate that for myself and say, yeah, I'm upset right now because that person disrespected my boundaries. And then going, what can I do next time to make that not happen? Or when it does happen, that I can step back and go, okay, mm-hmm. so first off, this is my boundary and you've crossed it and doing it in a calm way and protecting yourself. So it's really, it's a really interesting, I don't know, flow through things with, with relationships. Cause you know, again, there's give and take, but you have to know when to protect yourself because if you're not filled up, if you're not, your cup's not full, you can't help other people either. And maybe those people who are trying to help you are in the same position. So again, giving each other some slack to kind of go, we're all in this together. We're in these rough turbulent seas. We're all in different boats, but maybe we can put our boats together to kind of give each other some support, help each other bail out a little bit because that's all we need is someone to be kind to us once in a while. And that reflects back because I'm all about reflections, like the teachings in our culture about mirrors and things. And I mean, in every culture, there's that, right? Like when someone triggers you with something or they act a certain way, it's like something you don't like about something or someone is inherently something that you've done before or something in you that you might not like, right? Mm-hmm. Or you go, it's kind of revealing to you something that you would like to change maybe. So if I give an example of this, I think about, you know, people in my life, something that I would find desirable in a relationship or a friendship would be somebody that's caring, that's understanding, that listens, right? And that's something characteristics in myself that I value in myself because I do think I'm kind and caring and listening, right? So something that I find in my in relationships that I don't like are when people are arrogant or cocky or whatever that is, right? But then I flip around and go, well, there's times in my life that I've been that way that I've, you know, is going, it's not good or bad. It's like, well, what is it, right? So maybe that person has to be cocky and confident in order for someone to listen to them. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just about really reflecting on common humanity, that people are going through stuff that you don't even know the things people are going through. It's like the iceberg, right? It's like you only see what people let you see and they'll only let you see that if they feel safe. 
And when we're triggered, we're definitely not feeling safe. So we tend, I know myself as I push a lot of people away when I'm triggered because one, I'm worried that I'm going to say something or do something that I'm going to regret while I'm in an emotional trigger. But secondly, it's also the trigger of feelings of unworthiness and going, well, no one cares anyway. No one wants to hear what I'm feeling. People have it worse than me, or like, I have nothing to complain about all of these kind of things. So you can imagine we're all going through these things in our minds, right? And with the pandemic and the entire world and the anxiety of everything, it compounds on top. So having, you know, really good self-care, really good, healthy relationships is like so key right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of what you were just talking about is such a deep self-awareness or level of self-awareness. A lot of the deep dives that are necessary for growth are quite scary. And I think that it's also understanding that people might not be ready. The ones that are, you know, arrogant or cocky might not be ready to do the deep dives to understand their patterning. And that's totally fine. That's And that's where they're at, right? There's no judgment there. Exactly. But I, I think it's also just having that moment to inhale and then exhale before you respond or react to understand that maybe their actions are simply just a projection of what they're experiencing, which we know is what they are. But a lot of people, when they're starting to understand the behavior of themselves and how it's projected or the behavior of others and how it's projected outwards onto them is such a lesson in itself. And it was funny. I remember talking with my counselor. I mean, there's so many times that I first off say, is it good to feel this much? (laughs) And, And yes, it is. It is really good because when you don't feel anything, you don't have the capacity to feel the really good stuff too. So we know we are meant to feel a range of emotions. Secondly, and I lost my train of thought, I'm looking at my map and I'm seeing the North Pacific ocean. I lost it. That's okay. Sorry. We'll go on. That's okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, on that note, actually, I would love to ask you my safe haven style questions. I'm up for it. What are you most proud of? Ooh, what am I most proud of? I think actually I would have to say I'm most proud of that I've gone through so many things and every time I feel like I got my legs kicked out, I get back up. I'm really proud of the fact that I can change the ending to my story and that I get to choose. Even when I'm in my triggers and I feel like the world's against me, like I still get up and keep going and, and it's hard. (laughs) It's really hard to do. And so, yeah, that's, I think what I'm most proud of. Mm. What would you like to be known for? I would just like to be known for helping people see how you can be your authentic self. And we don't have to fit into labels and boxes of things and really showing people that our limits are what we place on ourselves. Because I feel like everything I try or things that I think I could never do, it's so afraid to try it that I wouldn't even try it before. But then when I do, it's just a matter of you literally can do a lot of things, right? You you put the work in and if you're interested in it, you can do it and you don't have to do everything. But I had someone say to me, looking from the outside, Crystal, like just to, to let you know, you don't have to do everything. And I was like, that's not about me. <laughs> that's like your stuff, right? And I go, it's not that I'm trying to do everything. I'm just trying to do the things that I'm interested in and seeing what things 
that I really enjoy. And that might mean that I try something and then I don't like it. And that's fine. There's no judgment. It's just going, holy man, I I tried that. Isn't that so cool? So it's just showing other people that we don't have to be stuck in boxes and, and just be one thing and that we can, I mean, like the sky's not even the limit, right? The universe, you can just go past the sky, right? So so giving ourselves that permission to go like there, there isn't a ceiling, like you can just keep going. Mm-hmm. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? Love yourself. Oh my goodness. And that's a message for me too, because as much as we feel like we need love from other people, which we certainly do. And we always like think it's so cheesy, but we have to love ourselves because, you know, no matter what accomplishment I get or article I write or painting I paint or whatever that is, when I'm not feeling good about myself inside, none of that really matters. And someone could say, well, look at all these great things. And I could say, yeah, but I'm still really sad inside. So, you know, until I work through whatever that is, or the feelings of not being able to celebrate those things or, you know, all of that stuff, you just have to love yourself. And it's not simple. I know say, is it just right? But it's like, knowing that you're worth it, that you're worth that hard work to go in and go, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes today to just write in the journal and see what comes out. Or I'm going to give myself 20 minutes to go for a walk by myself without listening to music or anything and just look outside, right? To give yourself time to love yourself, like do the things that light you up, right? And and oftentimes in our, we work so much and it's hard to see the light and it's hard to focus on good things in the world because we do see all of the struggles and challenges. So we can take a break, even if it's for a few minutes and actually tell ourselves how much we're doing a good job and that I love you. I love me. Right. Like, and it seems silly to say that, but you need to love yourself. And um, yeah, I just hope that everyone is able to do that and give themselves a bit of that gift. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Thank you. I need to make sure that I grab your socials too, so that anyone listening can find you online. So if people are looking to find me online, my website is welcomediseaseplace.com, but on social media, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Zhangwei Benisekwe. And um, yeah, I've got a lot of cool things coming up and um, I'm just really grateful for my platforms and to be able to share. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Mm. It's just been wonderful. Thank you for joining me. You will be back. (laughs) Definitely. Thank you. Oh my gosh, how good is their laugh? So infectious. I cannot get enough of conversations like this. Crystal, thank you so much for joining me on The Safe Haven. I appreciate you and your time so much. I love what you're doing and I cannot wait to chat again in the future. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I am committed to creating a safe, brave, and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, please screenshot the screen while you're listening, send it to your friends, and share it in your Instagram stories. Please be sure to tag us at the Safe Haven Podcast so we can personally thank you for it. If you're able to write a review or leave a juicy five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, that really helps this podcast grow. If today is the start of your journey into the depths of anti-racism, learning and unlearning of old ways, be kind to yourself. Try not to feel burdened by shame or guilt. Keep moving, keep growing, keep leading with love, and I will talk to you next week.